0: Hello, and welcome to the Surplus Geek Podcast. I'm Jake, and I am joined again by Bailey. Hey, thanks for having me back on, Jake. Of course. And today, we're going to be talking about researching. So, uh, what's there to talk about researching? Kind of seems straightforward. So, for
1: researching, what we're going to talk about today is basically like um, searching up sources, and pretty much going off from there, as in doing your own research, as in, you know let's just say, you want to get into kits, you want to start researching a different... Um, okay, I'm trying to think of the word. Like a squad during World War II. Like yeah, a unit. unit infantry yeah. division, stuff like that. So pretty much from specific, so on and so, specific so forth. Specific event. Yeah, pretty much. Event. Yeah. Everything like that. Like if it's Battle of the Bulge, they're going to be wearing cold weather gear. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, something like that. And like small bits and pieces, like you want to do something very unique and different than just, you know, very... Generic. Generic stuff. Like let's just say the... 101st Airborne, like, were they any other airborne divisions? Well, I mean,
0: yeah, when you get into the 101st, for instance, you have the different helmet markers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure 101st had the wrong helmet markers when they jumped in on Normandy. <laughs> so uh, there's a good, there's a good YouTuber out there. Uh, Battle Order, I think, is the name of the I YouTuber. Think so, yeah. yeah, they do a really good video on it. Um, but besides plugging other people, um, that's not our job. <laughs> yeah, that's not our job for today. But, Researching, I think, is one of the most important topics um, because we all buy things. We all collect. We all started somewhere, and we've talked about buying. We've talked about preserving, Now we're going to talk about researching history. And, you know, um, right off the bat, you know, why do you want to research? I think it's very fun. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, with me for researching, like I said, I've, I was a curator. I'm a historian. And for me, researching, it's just a very, very unique aspect of doing your own, like, independent research and stuff like that. It actually makes you feel
0: like you're an actual historian doing your own work. Yeah, you put that Indiana Jones hat in. <laughs> this belongs in a museum.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. I love Indiana Jones. But um, in college, in order for me to graduate with a history degree in history, I actually had to write a seminar paper in which I had to do my own independent research, such as gathering resources and data like primary sources and primary secondary sources i had to like find firsthand accounts of newspapers um propaganda posters books written during that time even before or even after or even today with you know modern day historians my topic if you want to know was about um the okay that's a year ago but it was the exclusion of chinese workers from the 1850s up until i believe uh late 1880s 1890s something like that during the uh california gold rush oh yeah and finding of the gold in the black hills and north or south dakota and all that stuff along with the including bits and pieces of Native American history with the wars and stuff like that. Yeah, and excluding them from that, from there because we actually found gold. So that's why we- Yeah, we started fought, drawing yeah, lines yeah, around the gold to prevent, yeah, it makes sense.
0: Well, so, that doesn't make sense, but yeah, it makes it historically it makes, yeah.
1: So that was my paper and We're I was about- those actions. <laughs> We don't approve of that. But that was my paper. It was about 20 or 30 pages long. So much dedicated hard work was put into it. And I am very proud for how well that paper came out. So,
0: uh, we're gonna skip over a topic because I think it actually should go after this. So, superficial versus official, right? Yes. that would be considered official, of course. Pretty much, yes. Uh, superficial would be uh, when you just type it into Google, and you go to Wikipedia, you find
1: yeah, you find like the first article, yes, Wikipedia or like the first like image, and you base it off from there, pretty much. Exactly. So.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And the reason why we bring it up is that that's where you start from. You get a you get a baseline. The The key to it, though, is what you learn on Wikipedia isn't always correct. Or even if you go to the, say, Gasmask Wikia, you know, it's usually curated by people that know what they're talking about for the most part. But there's some articles that are old, outdated, need updating. And of course, right. there's people out there that are updating them pretty much every day. And they put good information on there. So depending on who wrote the article, it you can get something that's... More detail than you could probably find out there um but that's that's superficial sourcing it's not exactly it's it's not your go to yep when, you know if you' were gonna write a paper or write a book on something when you get into the official sources uh you're talking about going to the sources page on that wikipedia yep and
1: so you basically just scroll all the way down to the bottom and they have their sources referenced Hopefully. down there. Hopefully, sometimes they sometimes they do, sometimes they yeah. don't. But if it's a big article, let's say World War II, you're going to find hundreds, yeah. if not probably thousands of sources. You can just base off your research from that. Or throughout the article, you will find like uh, numbered bulletins that say, let's uh, number four, you, it takes you all the way down to the page and gives you the fourth source that was used at that time of the article. That yeah, was it's annotated. Yeah, pretty much. And that's pretty much where it gets into the official researching, where, like, let's just say you look up uh, World War I on the Wikipedia, and you want to learn exactly about how did World War I start from the German side? Like, how did they get drawn in? You can just scroll through the article itself. And you just find Germany declared war on Russia of this day of 1914. Then it has, like, a number seven you click that number seven, takes you down to the source at the bottom. Then you click that source that was linked in the article. Then you pretty much go off from there. Then you keep, you know, you dive into that little yeah. And then you going to start one, looking <laughs> your rabbit hole. Yeah,
0: it's going to start referencing stuff that's a little heavier material, like books. Yep, like books written by people who have their own sources, which then you have to dive into those sources. And by the way, I know this is a little bit of a a uh, a obvious thing for most people out there, but not everyone's going to be, is going to know how to research, but everyone can be a researcher really in my mind. And, uh, I'm not gonna make the reference joke that I always make, but (laughs) it's, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, if, if you already know this stuff, great, but some people won't. So we're going to kind of with the military would say Barney style, but I'm not, I don't really like that, (laughs) but that's, you know, that's kind of what it is. We're breaking it down Barney style. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there and stuff. So anyways.
1: It's also, some of these sources too can also not be in English. This is true. Especially if you're dealing with anything international. Definitely. Like, let's just say, like I said, the German side, you can really find newspapers that are written in the German saying like, it's their own perspective. Yeah. And every be. country will have their own perspective, making themselves try to look better than the other. And pretty much giving themselves a right to defend their country or it's their act. So
0: they kind of like base it off from there. Yep, exactly. And that, that is uh, something to look, and also that's important to realize when you're writing a piece up on something that there's going to be biases involved. You got to kind of have to sift through that. That's it's a little bit out of the scope of this podcast because that's something that like, yeah, you just kind of have to read other people's opinions on it and kind of and deal with it at the same time. Yeah, sometimes you can't get rid of the bias, um, especially like, I can't think of a good example at the moment, but that's just something to keep in mind, back of your head. Um, and uh, with, before we get into a lot of the other, uh, into like kind of primary primary sources and what you should look for, uh, there's going to be times where you're not going to be able to find a source. Yeah. And this is kind of the topic we skipped because I wanted to jump back to it. Uh, gap filling and assumptions are going to have to happen. Yep. But you got to be careful with how much you assum- sump, how much you assume and... <laughs> yeah and you gotta you gotta be careful how much you assume and how much you gap filled sometimes you just gotta leave it empty. It just is what it is because the minute you start making too many assumptions, that's when myths get created that's when misinterpretations yep. happen and that can be more dangerous for history than just having it be blank. I agree with at least that. in my opinion
1: I mean oh no, you're right where you know people, um, there's so many examples out there that it's just so hard to give it a perfect example because there's so many good examples. Out well, there. a
0: good example I can give a very clear example. Uh, Death Traps by Belton Cooper. Oh yeah, Death Traps is a good book, but it's written from a person's perspective on repairing destroyed tanks, specifically Shermans. And he wrote about the Sherman being a bad tank based on what you saw. But if you look at the the the, the stats and the facts of the war, Sherman Cruz had some of the best survivability, uh, and the Shermans for an excellent tank, had a bad rap for years, and I'd like to personally thank the Chieftain for bringing to light the greatness. There's a couple other historians involved, but the this whole fight to make, make the Sherman not as bad as the tank, but it's a good example where, in his case, he was basing it on what he saw, but he wasn't diving deeper than he wasn't going into, and, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, some people won't change their opinion on the Sherman, but, I mean, I, I the way I look at it is the facts don't lie. The war wasn't as simple as it seems. Uh, or in the case of, like, uh, there's a the chief data thing about um, a tank destroyer battalion in Italy yep. lobbing 87 or 88 HE rounds at, at, to take out, and only, like, 10 AP rounds to take out uh, a, germ, a couple German tanks. You know, and, like, we play video games. It's like, you know, that's not how you do it in video games, so you assume it's not how it's done in real life. But I guess back then they just peppered the tanks with HE rounds to try to concuss the guys out of it. It is what it is, but it just—it's a different history. Isn't always as straightforward as it seems. Things yep. don't always go the way you think it would go, just based on assumptions. So it's just important to always keep that in mind. Uh, we all make the mistake of making assumptions. Uh, I've made a lot of assumptions. Actually, serving has chi- kind of uh, changed my assumptions and things. Made yep. me realize, look at it at a different light, uh, especially uh, like just the the challenges and how how why sometimes equipment seems kind of designed weird because it's designed to kind of be for the situations that aren't good. So it needs to be able to work. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just, it works. It's sometimes a little more difficult than it needs to be because it has to be. And that's just how it is. But yeah, gap filling and assumptions are something that's going to happen. If you can't, sometimes it's something um, you know from referencing from books, that there's a TM out there or an FM. You can't find it. There's not a copy on the internet. There's no one scanned it. No one has it. You just, you might never never see it in, in your time. Yep. And unfortunately, that happens. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later with with scanning, but uh, that's that's going to happen. So, but that goes right into like the official sources. Yeah, you know.
1: But uh, I'll get back to the topic. We're not trying to like say that you know basic assumptions and whatnot gaffling is a bad thing. It's just when it's overdone to a certain amount that it actually is harmful to a historian. Pretty much on their points or whatnot and like yes. what actually could have happened during that time. And it gets got, you know, tossed around a lot with the information from like that time to up until now, then it's like loose in translation pretty much.
0: Yeah. It's a black and white thing where like Belton Cooper's books good, but now it's either you, people either have the, it's a terrible book or it's a great gospel book. Like it, it goes either way. There's a lot of gray, a lot of nuance there. And, like, some of the information in this book is amazing. Uh, he had a direct hand in the super Persian when it was over yeah. seas and stuff and putting on that armor and stuff. At least that's the story. So, it, it's, you know, like I said, it's not something we're not trying to say it's bad. We're just saying be careful when you make assumptions. Try to back anything you can up as best as you can. Yeah. That's the, that's the best thing you can do is try to back it up. You're, it is what it is. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. If you make a mistake, accept that you make a mistake. And just move on. You know? It doesn't have to be the end of the world if you make a mistake. No. But like... Um, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> we all do. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> but I think a perfect example, and this is always like tossed around in the community itself, or the gas mask is that um that soldiers would either use or ditch their gas mask. I think um, a lot of assumptions are to be made here, but... It also goes off of, like, firsthand accounts of the soldier and what they would have done. Well, because a
0: lot of them, World War II, for instance, used their gas mask bag as, like, a musette bag.
1: Yes, I was going to get to that point, actually. Yeah, sorry. It's on fine. undercut you <laughs> a little bit there. Because um, I actually do have a great-grandfather that served in Japan from, I believe, 1943 up until 1945, until the occupation of Japan. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go off an of assumption here. And maybe he might have done this, but he was a part of the Signal Corps, the 82nd Signal Corps, or Signal Battalion, sorry. But if he were to be issued a, let's just say, a lightweight gas mask bag, and he was in the jungle for another two more days on patrol, like with his squad carrying a, you know, radio something like that, I would ditch that mask and carry an extra day of food and water. Water, ammo. Yeah. yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know when you're gonna, you
0: know, get out of that jungle. Ounces or pounds, pounds or pain. Yeah, pretty much. That's how. Yeah, that's how it works. That's
1: so. that's my way of assuming. Like I think this is a safe assumption, but we don't know what they've done, so we're just gonna assume.
0: And he could have done that. He could have not. And first-hand accounts are a good source. Yeah, to a point. We have to remember that people's memories get hazy. They start misremembering things. I mean. That's just something you, you have to kind of keep in the back of your head that, you know, the old guy is going to forget something. Yeah. That's fine. But you just got to, you know, if it conflicts, it, it, if it conflicts with something that you know just isn't true, you just say yes. and You just go with it. And you just, you know, you just know that their memory is just a little hazy and that's fine. You know, you know? what's a really good source? Interviews. Yes. Especially interviews in the first 10 years. Oh, Yeah. There's some good interviews out there of uh, World War II vets with uh, within 10 years. I mean, Audie Murphy, for instance, a lot of his interviews and stuff, they're all within the first 10 years after the war, you know? Which is so kind of fresh to Very him. fresh. That's oh, why, yeah. yeah. That's why you can see the pain in his face. Audie Murphy suffered a lot for what he had to go through. Especially um, for the hero in, Until the day he died from... Yeah. What was he, I think he did drugs, right? Uh, yeah, drugs. He did, a lot, of, he did yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, he had it pretty rough. Uh, I know it really... It hurt him and, you know, it, you know, he's, but it, it, we wouldn't know if it wasn't for the fact that he told his story. Yeah. You know, I know some people think that he was doing it for, for glamour or for, you know, whatnot, but I think it was an, it's important that he told his story in the way he did. It's a yeah. good first-hand account of a Medal of Honor recipient. Yep. Especially,
1: uh, what were one interviews where a majority of the interviews were conducted, during the sixties and seventies, and yeah. they're probably like almost eighty years old, and they don't true? remember as much as they used to, as they were back in the trenches, fighting trenches or whatnot. Medical technology was not as good as that, good as, yeah, it, so it, like, as it is today, which is phenomenal. Yeah, so like you know,
0: concussions and stuff, like
1: yeah, concussions, know, like, PTSD. Well, back then it was known as shell shock.
0: Yeah, yeah, they just wrote it off basically. Yeah, pretty much. They didn't, care. They didn't really care about you. So, it, yeah, I mean, that's all. First-hand accounts are extremely important because they're the connection, the literal human connection with history. So you, you gotta, you, having first-hand accounts is incredibly important. Talk to your uh, uncle, talk yeah, to talk your grandfathers, yeah, you talk to your dad. Yeah, especially now. Uh, talk to your brother, sister. If they feel comfortable with it. Yeah, right? obviously, make sure they're, yeah, make sure that they consent to having this conversation. Don't just start going in on it. But like, yeah, especially now with, with the current, what's going on in the world there's guys, there's guys and women that they're serving that you know you know you know have a conversation with them uh if they're willing you know it's you know i mean i you can ask me questions about my military service i i'm an open book about it you know it's fun to talk about um to a certain point trust me it's fun yeah and uh and i didn't do anything so <laughs> you know it's it's you know this I, I i used to love having conversations with the guys in my unit that had deployed um it's it's just it's different but um and hopefully I can have some of them on because I think they'd be a good guess, good guess to have talk. But, but that goes into uh, books, TMs, FMs, you know, uh, there is documentations, there is studies uh, written on this stuff. Uh, for instance, the Development Alice, is a whole study written on the Development Alice in like 1978. So it's recent, it's written by Natick. Um, there's studies on all this stuff and that's those are the type of sources you want to find those are direct sources from people who had direct hand in the creation of whatever you're talking about um and and obviously researching goes well beyond military service we're talking about the actual battle history unit history yeah. uh for instance i was in my unit has lineage that goes back to the original militia created in Salem Mass in seven, uh, 1636 so it's the, uh, yeah, 1636, yes, because it's December 13th, 1636. is the creation of the National Guard, technically. So we have that lineage going all the way back. It's a different unit over time. It, it kind of, the unit carries over the lineage and stuff. It's kind of weird. But, you know, um, and, uh, you know, that's that's crazy when you think about it. So this could be anything from, from something like that to, you know, little pieces of history, little pieces of gear, uh, white metals are the way they are and stuff, all that stuff. Yep um so books are definitely there's a lot of great resources for books um there's a lot of not good resources for books (laughs) i mean that's just how it is And, and not only there's a there's a lot of books out there that people knock that i think are not you shouldn't take word for word but they're good starter books they're good um good general idea of what you're looking for just don't take everything that it says you know if you find a conflicting source and you trust the conflicting source more. Go with that source. Yeah, you know, it, a lot of this kind of is kind of talking with the community, talking with other people. You know, they're doing research into it and figuring out, um, you know, which source is better, which source is you know not as good, um, and then just kind of weeding through everything and figuring yeah. out. I think FM and TMs are really good. They are, uh, but remember what it says in the TM or FM is not always what guys do in the field. Yeah, they do so, whatever's comfortable for them. Yeah, they do what works. Whatever gets a job done, they'll do. So, yeah. you know, if it, if, if it, it's just... And it also, units, commanders and such have override authority and they'll, they'll change SOP for your unit. So that will change too. So you might not be able to figure that out. Uh, it's easier nowadays because a lot of this stuff is recorded. Um, but back in the day, you might not be able to figure out what a unit SOP was in Vietnam. Unless you could find someone that can remember what their UNSOP was or they for some reason have it written down somewhere so that's just something to keep in mind and again this this applies to just about everything in the military surplus slash history community you know uh, across the board I mean again I, he's got a history degree I don't I'm just <laughs> some guy but you know uh, <laughs> so I'm only speaking from an opinion you still have a fair bit you know, a fair bit of knowledge you know I try I oh, do I try to be at least I don't like to open my mouth and I try not to be wrong it's fine being wrong I just don't like being wrong, so I try not to be wrong. Yeah. So I won't m- open my mouth until I at least kind of know what I'm talking about. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Hey, what is it? What are we don't? We can do. So I accept it. But I think that's key: be humble about researching. Somebody says something, and you don't agree with them. Fine, but make sure you back it up. Yeah. You know, and if uh, and if they're like, if if you get into a kind of a little conversation and they don't have sources right now, don't don't give them a hard time. Not everyone has. Not ever, not everyone is in the moment is able to bring up their source.
1: Not everyone has that on the research capability yet. Yeah, it's a it's a thing you get, that you have to learn yourself. In a way, get organized. Or, yeah, get organized. Uh, learn by yourself and ask for help. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Just don't you know cave into like you know like let's just say you want to research a topic that you don't really know much about, and someone says just Google it what do I Google? You keep asking questions like that. Like, what do I do? Like, 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 what do I Google? Like, it's like all this kind of stuff, like broad.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's my problem with the just Google it. Cause if you just type in the thing, you're not going to find anything. You, you might, might, you, you might. might, you might, but you it's going to
1: be like very vague. Like, oh, here's the thing you're talking about, but that's, a, that's all we're going to give you. Like, it's just going to be a vague, a very vague explanation of
0: whatever you're trying to look up. But and then you then get into a circle where you just keep going back to vague yeah, land yeah. and you just never get the direct answer. So then
1: you have to like search up like big words,
0: something that's relating to the thing you're looking for, yeah. then you might find it. It's kind of like searching on eBay. Same kind of concept. Yeah. Uh, where you kind of have to work around it sometimes to find the information. Because, uh, you know, like you also don't want to just use Google. I suggest, and I do this myself, try to use other search engines. Use DuckDuckGo. So what do you use? Yeah, I use DuckDuckGo. I use both. I use Google and DuckDuckGo. I just use Google, Google pretty much. Well, the reason why Google and DuckDuckGo because they uh, they they differ their, their searches are differently curated. I guess you could say. Yeah. So DuckDuckGo might give you different sources, different information, different images too. Uh, so I like to use both, so that way I'm covering uh, as much as I can. But you can use Bing. I know everyone. It's a kind of a meme, but like you can use Bing. Uh, I Bing's not it, that bad, honestly. It's, it's really not. It's got the power of Microsoft behind it, yeah. so it's not like it's you know. I like DuckDuckGo, but you know, use what you want to use. You gotta, you know, and like and, and, and when I'm searching for something, I literally do not just go Google, and then I don't do, or I don't just go DuckDuckGo. I actually go to Google and I do the same thing, and I see the difference and I compare them. I just bring up both monitors because I might miss something, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that. You know, I mean, eventually you'll get to a point where you will kind of know where to look. There's some websites uh like it's like liberated tms and fms. It's a website. It, it it's all like they scan a bunch. It, it's kind of like maybe like in the 2000s. It like looks old. <laughs> so it's not the most easiest to navigate, but it's a great resource for finding fms and tms. Um you just you got to you got to look around and, you know, and uh, like I like I said, I don't like saying just google it because it's just vague. It's vague and honestly, like it's not helpful. <laughs> if you, it honestly isn't helpful. If, if you get a common question, just like have a document that's copy and paste. Yeah. And just copy it and paste it into... The, like Say Discord, someone's asking a question. Just copy and paste it. You Some know? knowledge has been no knowledge. And that way you could be like, hey, here you go. I have this copy. You just say, hey, I have this copy and paste. So this is like a quickie on it. And uh, when I have more time, I'll try to detail it out. Yeah. You know? Um, or if you wrote an article on Wiki, you could just say, hey, go check out the Wiki I did on X. It has everything or the wikia you can just go on the gas mask wikia for instance yeah. I, I i haven't done anything on it personally but like there's a lot of people in the community that do you can just say hey i did this you know it's pretty accurate i got the sources down here if it's missing a source just tell me like just be humble about it try to direct people without being vague and i'm not calling out anyone's in particular i'm not trying to be that guy i'm just saying like as a community trying to get the information out there we should be trying to spread as much information because we want people to be educated we want people to know these things and and personally for me like i want to teach people this stuff I, I, yeah. that's why i always say you know, ask me about my military service i love talking about my military service it's 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 a huge piece of me it's a huge piece of my life you know it's 6 years of my life that i spent doing that stuff so it's it's cool to teach people yeah and uh, it's something that like you know, you got to, you know, this kind of went to the next topic. I already just kind of flowed right into it. That's it's, all right. <laughs> you know, passing on the information, you know, as much as you can. We can just flip, flop back and forth anyways. Well, but we kind of get to that point. We should get on, We should stay on tack, uh, track though. But we, we kind of are. Yeah. yeah. Passing pass on information is the, it, overall, the whole point of this podcast, the reason why I picked researching, I was thinking about the other day uh, when I was at work, is that researching is the lifeblood of the community. Because we can all own all this stuff, but otherwise it'd just be random junk that we own. Yeah. Just pieces of things. The minute you start researching, it opens up this huge world of what is, what it was, how it was used, um, how it was uh, created or how it was prototyped, how it was, you know, what research they did to come up with these things. Like flack, like FlakVex,
1: for example. Exactly. Because fragmentation casualties caused up to 70% of all casualties during the Second World War except for bombers, though, because that was an exception because that's what they dealt with every like every mission they've done. Yeah, and they actually out, had flak. But out in the field, it was fragmentation casualties. So yep. that's when they had started to adopt and prototype fragmentation flak vessels during the Korean War, which minimized the casualty count done by fragmentation. Yeah, and the rest is history. Basically. And which, you know, developed into the Vietnam War for both Marines, helicopter pilots, and U.S. Army forces on the ground. Yep. Then through the eighties, nineties, and, and today. even today, yeah, yeah. with it's all, all it's all
0: draws from the same lineage. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's basically all research. It's the same thing with helmets. Yeah, you know, World War One taught that we needed helmets. And yeah, because there, fragmentation too. Yeah, splinters. Yeah, it was coming. Yeah, you, yeah. So it, exactly. So it, it, it's That's the cool part about researching is you start. to, I mean, that some of the stuff is basic. We're using obvious examples, but you know, it's it's fun to learn and stuff. And it's also like I said, you should if you're going to research. You should go into it with a mind that you're going to have to pass it on and teach it. Yeah. Because, like, what's the point of learning? I mean, I guess I guess you can learn it for yourself, but I don't know. If that's kind of boring to me. Oh, I I know something. Cool. <laughs> I'd rather be able to be like, hey, 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 everyone, look, this is a cool thing and stuff. And I don't want to, like, it doesn't have to be gloaty. It's just, it's like, hey, look at this cool thing. We all love this stuff. We all want to, you know, yeah, pass it on. So I, I don't, that's how I look at it and... I think that's how most people should look at it. But. It's like, a,
1: for a perfect example, like during World War One, like when the United States got involved in 1917, they needed weapons and other equipment to- Yeah, we need like you know, machine guns. Yeah, to successfully not. clear our trenches. Yep in order to win the war. So we created the uh, the M1903 Pedersen device, which was able to hold 40 rounds. And that was like, you know, to bop off, you know, entire trench line Germans. It's you know? too bad
0: it wasn't that good, apparently. It
1: wasn't good. <laughs> but the I, the concept of the idea was done through research.
0: Like, hey, yeah. we want to clear a trench as fast well, as possible. It's the same thing where the Tommy gun comes yeah. from. Yeah. The Thompson, the Thompson's PR Thompson's history starts directly from the trenches World, to, World War uh, yeah. War One. So it, it goes right off of that and it goes in. I mean, it, it's... It's all research, and why the United States decided—I don't know the exact reason—was World War One, but why the United States started pushing towards semi-auto rifle versus bolt action during the twenties. You know? I wish I could answer that because I actually did a little bit I used of research to, I probably knew at one year. point. But man, you know, I would say one thing: when you start doing so many different things, so many different topics, information gets pushed out. My guess, oh, here we go. Assumptions. Yeah. My guess is that you know. They
1: wanted to have as much firepower as they oh, can yeah. that was very light as possible. Well, we
0: were we were switching uh, into maneuver warfare, kind of, and maneuver warfare is all about suppressing, moving, suppressing, covering, weapons. flanking, and stuff yes. like yeah, all that stuff. So it's that's where I think the, again, research also changes the, the uh, evolution, warfare. Yeah. yeah, evolution of combat is huge, you know. And really, since World War Two, we've kind of been in a certain like we've been kind of set, and there's little things that have changed and how squads maneuver and stuff. But, yeah. It's basically kind of the same. You know, like machine gun theory is actually something that you learn in the military. Um, We sat down and we were taught machine gun theory. And it goes over everything from the basics, like grazing fire, which is supposed to be, I think it's one meter above the ground. They call it grazing fire because it's over the grass. You're like grazing. Yeah. Um, To all sorts of stuff, like arcing your rounds and uh, just like how to use it as an area weapon versus yep. a point weapon, all that stuff. And... You know, it's called machine gun theory for a reason. It's a theory on, you know, and this is stuff that's been learned obviously since World War One, and it's just been refined and refined and refined over years. So it 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 all goes into it. And again, these the, the, the key to researching um, is you can do just the item. For instance, you're doing an item or you can look at the item and then branch off into where the item was used, branch off into how it was developed. Like you look at, Modern-day gear. Actually, look at Alice, for instance. And yes, I am going to do a whole thing on all this. At some point, don't hold me to it. All right? Just, it's coming. Soon. Soon. Hopefully. Soon, TM. Um, But... Alice gear directly relates to 1967, 1956, 1956 is directly related to like, you know, 1923 and 1936 pistol belt, which is directly related to 1910 gear. It's, it's one big long line of adaptation and changes and minor fixes and stuff. Now 1956, really changed the game up with the slide keepers, Yep, but it's this very, like Alice still has the hanger on the bottom. So you can still hang, like you still hang the, the holster on. So it, it, just continues through and that that to me is very fascinating that was that's just it's fun to learn about that because it's like they're like oh if it's not broke don't fix it kind of thing but like it still needs a little bit of fine tweaking we could do this like you know in vietnam they're like oh man canvas really isn't working out for us to well. we gotta go to <laughs> nylon and i mean nylon's like the standard now for yeah. everything so it's just it's fun that's all i can say and uh i think one of the key things to it's kind of a huge shift, but it's going back scanning documents. If you have a document and you don't think anyone's seen it, or you don't think it's really act like you can get on the internet or it's kind of not common to find an eBay, please scan it and yep. just put it up there. Yep. Just throw it up there, put it as a PDF, throw it somewhere. I don't know how you, you want to do it, but just, I like, I'm going to try to do that for everything I have just so that like it's out there. I don't think, you know, it's, I know you paid money for it, but like <laughs> just, you don't really own it in a sense. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a public thing in my mind. So just throw it up there. The people, people, people need this information.
1: Pretty much like whatever you post or publish, just by thinking of it, you can actually make a huge difference in the community itself. Especially for one person that might be also researching the same thing you are, and you just don't know it yet. Yep. You publish that one thing, he's gonna gain knowledge from that, and or she, he or she. Thank you. Let's just say they. Yeah, that's better. They will I gain guess. knowledge from that, and they can also expand that that knowledge to other
0: collectors as well or researchers, pretty much. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can make their day. Oh yeah, big time. They could be like, it could be the one piece that maybe they're doing a video or writing an article and stuff, and you had that one piece and you put it out there. You're you're the hero of the day. You just made their day. Give yourself a pat on the back. Exactly. Give yourself a pat in the back. You know. <laughs> Give yourself a hug. What? What? Well, you know. It is. It's true though. You yeah, really it's good. can make it. I, it's it's ha- a good feeling. It's, it's happened to me a few times where someone's come up, like answered a question uh, that I didn't know or didn't realize that I was asking. You mm-hmm. know, because it was just something in there, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, I gotta go save this somewhere on my computer, save it, bookmark it. You know, whatever it is. Um, I have like a million bookmarks now because I will just find something like oh, bookmark. Oh, bookmark. Oh, bookmark. And it's just like, (laughs) I had to go in and reorganize it. And I have all these like folders for it. It's it's a mess.
1: That's a good feeling too. When you're done like actually researching something that actually you feel accomplished about, closing all the tabs is such an accomplishment. I never close my tabs. I love it. Cause you know, like I said, I've researched my paper. I probably had like 20 or 30 tabs open for like a specific, you know, event
0: or whatever, you know, whatever. And just being able to close all those tabs was so refreshing for once. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to keep them open because you don't want to lose your spot. It's like almost yeah, that's like basically a, what it was. Yeah, it's like a literal bookmark, not like until your application just like
1: automatically updates itself, which kind of sucks because you got to find that progress all over again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and you know, or if it refreshes and it re- resets the top yeah. <laughs> of the page, and you're like, oh man, and does it doesn't have the option where it says scroll back down to where you last were? Or yeah, like that. and you're like. Which I think every website should have. Especially if it's in a long, like, form, written-out yeah, format. Forms. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, and uh, actually, that's something we didn't think about, forms. Forms can literally save your life when it comes to research. There, that's
1: literally, forms are literally a think tank.
0: The U.S. military forum is amazing. Um, there's one man on there. He passed away uh, a, a while ago now. I think 2014, Craig Pickall Pico- or something like that. Um he has, he put out a lot of information and he has like detailed breakdowns, of like web gear and stuff. And like, that's, that's an amazing resource. It's got pictures, everything. Yeah. Hopefully that site never goes down. Hopefully they're able, I mean, it's like dedicated in his memory. That's how important this man was to the community. Um, you, you check out the U.S. military forum. It's not always going to be correct, but like for the most part, there's people vetting it. There's people going through. You can read it out. You can see the information being figured out in a line, which is great. You can make your own decisions, make your own determinations. Yeah. I recommend. But forums are huge. If you find a forum, uh, Discord, Discord is huge. That doesn't have to just be, you know, other researchers are another tool to researching. Yep. You know, making friends and talking to people and giving them, you know, you guys work together to figure this stuff out because they might not be doing the exact thing that you're doing, but it might cross over into what you're doing. Yeah actually. And that can, that can help you finish yours and you might be able to vice versa. You might cross a little bit over into their area and you can help each other out. Yeah. Or you're both going the same direction and two heads are better than one. I mean, it's simple, you know? So I mean, sometimes ego is getting in the way, but you got to just put the egos aside. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get it. I understand, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, I think that goes into kind of, I wouldn't say it's the final topic, but it's kind of the, I don't know the meat of it. I guess I don't know how to put it. It's the uh, if you're going to research, if you want to take it, because that was kind of your thing. It was actually yeah. <laughs>
1: so for researching, um, basically act like a teacher or a mentor. That's basically what researching is about. Because let's just say that you are very familiarized with a certain subject, topic, or subject. One thing
0: I can add to that: act like the teacher or mentor, also act like the student. Yeah, that's take, actually a good take point. both roles. Because yeah. sometimes you're going to be the teacher. Sometimes you're going to be the student. Like I said, like once
1: you're familiarized with a topic that you may seem like you're knowledgeable, you might meet that one person that actually has more knowledge than you do. So you learn from them. Unless you have a legit
0: PhD in that topic, in which case I will sit down and shut up. (laughs) I don't yet, but let's see and find out from here. But you never know. You might run into someone and they're like talking about something and then they're like, I actually have a PhD in this. And you're like, oh, okay, I will. (laughs) have a PhD in quantum. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. You, you, yep. You own this topic. But unless you run into a subject matter expert, uh, you know, like I said, go into that open mind of you being teacher mentor possibly and also student. And that way, you learn. They learn. Everyone learns. There's nothing wrong with that, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Open mind. Yeah. It's very incredibly important
1: for having an anything. open, open having an open mind too is actually a good idea as well. Because again, you like, t- you want to learn as much as others. Like they want to t- learn from you, so you can also learn yourself and actually be a better researcher, a better person, and better yeah. collector.
0: Better person, better collector. Hundred percent. Especially because you open, you want to open doors, not close them. You want to be friends with people because they might have something you want. And I'm not saying it be friends just to get what you want, but I'm saying like you want to be friends with people. You don't want to have people jaded towards you just because you don't agree with their opinion on something. Yeah. It's fine. Be open minded them. Hopefully, they can respect you in the same way. I don't want to get too preachy here, but hopefully, they can respect you in the same way you both respect each other. Like, you know, again, we can only further any of these communities because we're kind of broad talking about. Gas masks, collector communities, reenactors. It, it covers everyone. Yeah. You know, this This goes uh, this goes across the board. We're not really speaking in specifics. And again, at the end of the day, this is all our opinions. And we are totally welcome to criticism. So my Instagram uh, DMs are open to anyone who wants to give me a little bit of critique, as long as it's fair. <laughs> um, sending the Barry... The, uh, Bailey, i like or, that name <laughs> yeah. send your send your hate mail to bailey at bailey's military collection please not me uh but but seriously though i think that the open-minded thing is incredibly important for life yeah i think that's just a general broad lesson on life is that you need to be open-minded to things you need to be open-minded to to not closing doors you know? yeah you don't have to say a yes to everything it doesn't have to be like the movie yes man but it needs to be Or Yesman from the ki- from the game fall at New Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, yes man. <laughs> um Hey, I always pick Yes in there. Right? That's a good ending. No, yeah. that's not. You know like you don't pick Yesman when you pick House? Um so, you, to cons? for the most part
1: NCR. Oh okay. I like my uh bootlegger. Kinda. <laughs> I like my capitalistic uh future in a way. Uh, I don't know. I'm mixed on that one. I like my totalitarian democracy. <laughs> I, I know
0: there's a few listeners out there that have to love New Vegas, so uh, I love New Vegas. I'm a diehard fan. If yeah, you didn't know, I know. New Vegas is great. Um,
1: never getting carried away.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going off topic. <laughs> hey,
1: you can also do research into this stuff too. Yeah, um, research. Follow New Vegas and come back to me if you find anything new that I haven't learned, you know, learned yet or found in the game. It's true. There you go. Um, please DM me on Bailey's Military Collection on Instagram. Yeah, do it. He's open. <laughs>
0: He's open-minded, folks. I am sometimes. So, I would say yes. And the, the the last bit to that whole teacher slash mentor slash also being a student is be professional about everything. Yeah. I, I know it's not, we're not professionals. Well, all right. Some of us actually are. I'm not. I'm not either. I mean, you might be in the future. You got a degree. <laughs> I'm just some guy that, that's recording things in his office and, you know. And hearing him sitting in your office recording things as well. I know. We're actually doing something with it. But- uh, you know, <laughs> once. act professional to a point, To professional courtesy, professional in the sense that how you would act in a workplace or something. It doesn't have to be, it could be a little bit chill, but you don't have, you know. Yeah. Don't come off as egotistical you know, or, or know-it-all. A meanie-weenie, I guess, yeah. from a SpongeBob. <laughs> I mean, you might be a know-it-all. And there's people that just know way more than me, so I'm not going to be, you know, I- I'll admit it, like, I don't know everything, so... I, I don't think anyone can know everything, but yeah, you know what I'm saying, so... Oh, yeah. Um, I would say, you know, uh, that... I mean... I would say that's pretty much... That's pretty much it. I guess the whole point of this is that anyone can be a researcher. You don't need special uh, accreditations or you don't have to have a degree. I mean, you can. It helps. Uh, you have proper, in a sense, perspective on things. I'm just, again, some guy. But, uh, you know... Anyone can do it. You just have to have the um, motivation and the passion for it. I mean, most of collecting, and we, I think this is going to be a recurring thing that I say is most of collecting is passion. It's a hobby. Yeah. You know, um, unless you're, you're selling this stuff and you surplus or in which case it's a passion and it's a job that you're making money on. But it's a passion. We it's a hobby. We we want to do this. We want to be here. We want to be collecting these things. Um and it all kind of goes into each other. The researching, the preserving, the buying on eBay. Uh all these episodes are kind of building on each other in my in my mind here. So you know, that's what we're trying to get at. And again, I'll say it again, just our opinions. So we're not right about everything probably. There's probably stuff that we're wrong about. There's probably facts that we stated in this that we could be wrong about. <laughs> Although New Vegas is the best follow-up. It is the best follow-up. Facts. But the, <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. So I just, I don't think there's much more for us because I think we've pretty much covered everything. I think so myself. This might be a little bit shorter than the last episode, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. And because uh, there's no time limit for us, we'll talk for as little, as long as we need to. But <laughs> or as long as we want. Exactly. But uh, I think we're going to call that one good. So I'm glad we have people listening. I'm glad you guys are enjoying this. Everyone that's told me that they've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you it. again, guys,
1: because it actually means a lot coming, especially a lot of you guys saying a lot of kind
0: words, saying that we're actually doing a great job. It actually means a lot to us. Yeah. And i like to say thank you. Yeah, and it's from people, like a lot of the people that tell me this, people I respect. So like, it really makes me feel good. Like, yeah, I so appreciate good. it. Yeah. So we'll continue doing it as long as, as people listen to it. I mean, I, we can continue doing it anyways. So- uh, also, I started live streaming this past weekend, so check me out on uh, Twitch. I'm probably going to be live streaming most... I mean, by the time you hear this, I've already been live streaming, but I'll be live streaming during the week, mostly, after work. So about 12-ish a.m. Eastern, so midnight. Um, so come check me out. I play... I got a camera, so I'm not shy about it. And uh, come chat, and we could talk about stuff. I'm going to be playing just all sorts of things, so I, come on over. And with that, Haley, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks again. And uh, you'll be seeing him hopefully a couple more episodes before we lose him for a little while. (laughs) And uh, Sounds kind of depressing when you say it like that. Well, I mean, I think people have gotten used to you being here. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten used to you being here. You're you're, you're my semi-permanent host (laughs) or co-host. So, um, you know, I'm getting used to it. So it's with that, I will say goodbye to everyone listening and tune in in two weeks for another episode.